go ahead and take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. We're going to try and finish up where I left you a couple of weeks ago. And uh, by way of announcement, I thought I was going to have my new pulpit up here this morning. And, and I guess God let you in on the story. Uh, there was a botched order because our pulpit arrived, but it was not our pulpit. I'm going to tell you what, I, I said, I didn't know they made uh, a color uh, called muddy water. I mean, it was, it was pretty hideous. Hideous isn't even probably a good word for what it looked like. It was bad. So uh, they're going to take care of it. But uh, So we'll be a couple of weeks uh, waiting for that new one to arrive. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was really ugly. I mean, it, you know, it, it would have made me look good. I mean, that's how ugly it was. It was bad. But... Uh, Guys, thank you all for uh, allowing uh, my family to go to a conference last week. Uh, I hope you will feel the overflow of that conference uh, today and in the days ahead. It was an emphasis on missions. And I just want to take a moment to, to express this, that there is a need in our church to regain our focus on the importance of missions. And so... Uh, through that conference was just rejuvenated uh, in the area of biblical missions, uh, the importance of local missions, global missions, and this is plan A, the church. And so I uh, was grateful to be there. A number of great speakers, Votie Bauckham, John Piper, uh, Steve Lawson, uh, Phil Johnson. I mean, there was just a number. David Platt was there. And, and again, just a real heart from these men of God in uh, preaching and teaching and uh, it was just really uh, good to be a part of that. And so, uh, Lord willing, we will get back into a book study. Uh, next week, we have Jeremy Sams with us. He'll be painting in the morning. So tell your friends, artist evangelist Jeremy Sams will be here in the morning. His wife will be singing. And then in the evening, uh, we have his youth pastor, associate pastor, um, will be with us bringing the message in the evening. His name is Cameron Brooks. He's a young man, and uh, I think his girlfriend will also be with him. The, they're missionaries so when they, to Myanmar. Um, and uh, anyways, uh, looking forward to having all of them with us next weekend. Should be a really uh, good, good weekend. But tell your friends, invite some folks out. And Lord willing, they'll be with us next weekend. After that, we'll get into a new book study. And it looks like we're heading into Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. Sorry, we won't. I will probably sing that every week because it's just ingrained. Um, but anyways, we'll take a look at that. Guys, you're, you should be in Psalm 19. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible there in front of you on the pew. I recommend you follow along. Pull it up on your app phone. Just don't be distracted to go to ESPN or Facebook. Stay on the Bible. Uh, and let's take a look at what the Word of God has to say. You recall we left Psalm 19 and we had talked about the first part. We'll kind of recap that just a little bit. But let's take a look in the passage of Scripture uh, here beginning in verse 1. And let's see what the Word of God has to say. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there's nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. 
Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Father, I pray this morning, again, just making myself available. Let me simply be a vessel uh, for your truth, for your grace. Uh, Lord, may our ears be open to hear what the Spirit has to say. Lord, help us to understand the importance of this passage of Scripture. Be our teacher. Speak to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us that understanding that we would not just hear, but that we would do. May we heed the message this morning. Lord, I ask that you will remove all distractions from our thoughts, that we would be focused, eyes on you, and that you would draw us near. Help us, Lord. Cleanse our hands. May we be found faithful in your sight. For your name's sake we pray. Amen. You remember last week, or two weeks ago, we talked about this portion of Scripture is in essence divided into two sections. It's led some to believe that it's even two books. And it's often been referred to it that way. One is a book on uh, nature, and one is the book on the Word of God. Um, You see this sort of unfolding here as you unpack this passage. And so, by way of recap, uh, the thing that we're focusing on here in the psalmist, the writer being David, of course, is focusing on the glory of God. Guys, you know, you ask the question, what's the meaning of life? You know, that, that a lot of people want to know. Well, thank you for asking. We had one participant. Appreciate it. But a lot of people want to know, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? What's the point? Why am I here? It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I mean, that's truly why we're made. We're made in His image. We have creative power. We're able to think. We have the, the reflections, glimpses of God represented in mankind in the sense that we are created in His image. He's entrusted us to have dominion. There's a reason why your cat, though your cat may rule your house, you're supposed to have dominion over your cat. There's a reason that man is created in the image of God and entrusted with certain qualities and characteristics that are reflective of who God, our Creator, is. And yet we're marred. There's a reason we're marred. There's a reason that there's pain, suffering. There's reason why there's such a thing called evil in this world. And there is a real thing called evil. It's why you can have a beautiful day one moment and then a raging storm in another moment. All of these questions to life are answered in this book that you have. Because God, as we talked about last week, has not only revealed Himself through nature, He's also revealed Himself through His Word. And so we talked about here in Psalm 19, last time we looked at God's world in verses 1 through 6, and we talked about the importance of what's called general revelation. There's a general revelation. God has made Himself known, guys, so that every man is without excuse. You'll recall Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. God will be just when man dies in his sin and goes to hell. Because God has given a general revelation to every man every man no matter where they are can look up at the sky and see the vastness of the stars they can see the beauty of creation all around them and know based upon that 
that there's a higher power, that there is a creative source. You look at a painting, you know there's a painter. You look at creation, you know there's a creator. And so general revelation, as we talked about last time, is evident, it's clear. Everyone knows this, they're without excuse. And also through our conscience. Creation and conscience. Every man has a conscience. Even the cannibal on his first kill felt a little queasy. And that was prior to the meal. I'm just saying. Conscience. You know murder's wrong. No one has to teach you murder's wrong. No one has to teach you that life is precious. And in a month where we celebrate or think about the sanctity of life, and life is to be celebrated, it's tragic with the news that we hear of how many are celebrating death. Guys, we're created in the image of God and every, every life is precious. Life is the greatest gift that we're given by God. And so we should be mindful of these things. God's given us a conscience. He's written His law in our heart. And so every man is without excuse. Those invisible things of God, they've been clearly seen. They've been understood according to his word in Romans 1.20. So that we're without excuse. And the problem is man loves darkness rather than light. He won't respond to that. Instead, he will worship the created as opposed to the creator. We want to find our answer everywhere else except for in the obvious. God. In the beginning, God. You recall last week I talked about I, I, I'm, I'm unapologetic because God's unapologetic. I'm a presuppositionalist. God begins the book with in the beginning God. He already assumes, presumes that you know there's a God. And he spelled that out throughout the scriptures. The greatest evidence is this scripture that we hold. And I realize we live in a day where we're smarter than God. At least we think we are. And we depend upon human reasoning. Now look. I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think we should study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, but I think we should also incorporate the things that we can use as a bridge to bring man face to face to the mirror of God's word. But God has made himself clearly known and every man is without excuse. General revelation. Romans 2, 14 and 15 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or excusing. Isn't it interesting? Your conscience only does... One or two things. One and two things, I guess you could say. It says right, wrong. Your conscience convicts you or condemns you. God has built that into man. You're hardwired with a conscience. You're creating it. We know. We know sometimes, right? There are certain things you just know thanks to the designed Conscience that God has given you, you're without excuse. Now, if we would respond to such, and again, I make the argument from Scripture to this point, just read Acts 10, you'll see Cornelius, who was a, who was a righteous man according to Scripture, and what in essence that's meaning is, I think he was responding to the light he was given. What he knew of God, he responded to. And what did God do? He provided him a missionary. Peter came to him and proclaimed the God, his name is Jesus Christ. Christ come in the flesh. That is Christ incarnate, God incarnate. And he preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection, and Cornelius and his household was saved. Guys, there are people in other parts of the world right now that I believe are responding to the natural revelation, the general revelation, in such that God is moving upon their heart and drawing them, and in provision for that drawing, he's sending missionaries. This is why, church, we must be faithful 
about sending our missionaries. This is why we must be faithful in supporting those missionaries. Because if you're not going to go, and if you're so concerned about the argument, well, I just don't think that's right, that, that, that God would send somebody to hell who's growing up in another country who's never heard of Jesus. Well, if you feel that, that great concern, then be a missionary and take the gospel to them. And we must support missions, and we must continue to support missions. For those of you who don't know, and I realize sometimes we don't necessarily hit all the things we should in our new members class, and, and uh, this is definitely one of those areas where I'm, I'm going to try and do a better job of, of emphasizing this, but when we give at Community Baptist Church through worship, and by the way, giving is worship, when we give in worship, part of that giving that you, that you put in there is, is if you don't designate to missions, it doesn't go to missions. It goes to local missions, and that's important, but we must do above and beyond our normal gift to the general fund, and it must be marked to missions. So if you want to begin to support missions, then, then I would encourage you, even if it's just a $5 or $10 or $25, whatever God puts on your heart, to do separate above and beyond what you normally give to support the gospel ministry going into the other parts of the world. That's something we have to do. We must do. But God's world reveals who he is. He's made himself known through general revelation so that we're without excuse. And then we started into God's word here in the second part. And this is where I'm going to pick up this morning and kind of press forward um, as we go through here. By the way, you understand this idea of what revelation is, right? You know, when we talk about general revelation, special revelation. Revelation is when, when in essence, he removes the veil to reveal himself. It means to unveil. Now, I don't know if any of you have seen this, but we kind of got a new favorite show. Tells you how sad we are in the Varner household. Any of y'all seen the Unmasked or the Masked Singer? The Masked Singer, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kinda, yeah, they, they, they dress up in these gigantic character suits. You have no idea who's under the mask, and they're either like an athlete, maybe they're a professional singer, or maybe an actress or an actor, you have no idea. You just know there's a gigantic deer with antlers, and he's singing. We're sad in America. Yes, we are. Yes. I like Larry's idea. He, he said, shoot him, which if you'd have heard him sing, that probably would have been the best thing to do, put him out of his misery. But what ends up happening is they get to a certain part of the show, and then if they're voted out, they're the, they, they don't get the votes to stay in, then eventually they have to pull their mask off and reveal who they are. Oh, I didn't know it was... By the way, um, the two that have already gone off out of three were Pittsburgh Steelers. So my Steelers fans, wherever you're out in the house, sorry there, Mark. Uh, Antonio Brown and Bradshaw both got the boot. So it's kind of like football season, I guess. It's, can't seem to make it to the championship. I'm sorry, that's terrible, that's terrible, that's terrible. You made it further than my team. <laughs> that's right, where's the Panthers at? Same place the Steelers are. <laughs> and Dallas, right, Seth? I'll pick on you too, that's, that's all good. <laughs> don't even, you, you Patriot fans, don't even get on the bandwagon, all right? I know what time of year it is. But then this unveiling of the masked singer, it's, it's different than what we're seeing here in the scripture. Look, God has made plain and said he's not hiding himself. Too often times you hear that argument, don't you? You hear people say stuff like, well, you know, I would believe in God if he just made himself known. If he's real, why don't he just make himself known? I mean, hello? When's the last time you made a tree? When's the last time you made a complicated DNA system and put it together? And when's the last time, and by the way, a lot of new births coming, praise the Lord, for the, for the babies on the way. Keep praying for that. We've got one, Lord willing, coming tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. Mark and Holly will be at the hospital, so let's pray for that. But we've got, we got like four babies on the way, and maybe more if you hadn't told me. But um, <laughs> how exciting. Guys, an explosion in a factory of goo doesn't make that. And even if it did, where'd the factory of goo come from in the explosion? God has given us every reason to look to Him, to know Him. And if we simply would, aha, He would make Himself even more known to us. Even as believers, guys, we don't live in the fullness Christ said, I came to give you life. 
And I came to give you abundant life. And as Christians, we live just as defeated sometimes as the world does because we don't walk in the light. If we walk in the light, there's no darkness in us and, and we can have that fellowship. We can have that sweet communion. We can have that joy. By the way, these things I've written to you, says John, that your joy may be full. You know why we don't experience Fullness of life? It's because we don't walk with Christ as we should. And so it's not God's fault. The same problem that got us in this mess is the same problem today. It's me and my heart. That's who's to blame. It's us. It's our sin that separates us from God. God's Word is a special revelation. This Bible, guys, is precious. You would not know the Creator God. You would be able to look at the stars and say, wow, there must be a higher power. You'd be able to look at the trees and say, wow, who made that? Something must have made that. You look at the birth of a child and you say, man, this is precious. This is awesome. Somehow, some way, there's got to be a God. But if it just stayed there, then it would be subjective. Everybody would have their own interpretations and we would all, as you see around the world, multiple religions. But God didn't leave it there. He gave a special revelation. He's unveiled Himself in a special way. It's called the Word of God. And you say, well again, well, I don't believe that's the Word of God. But guys, whether you believe it doesn't change it. Does that make sense? I can believe that standing in Highway 70 in front of a Mack truck is not going to hurt me. I can believe that all day long. It doesn't make it true. God's Word is true whether you believe it or not. It's not dependent upon whether you put faith or stock in it. It's still true whether you believe it or not. No different than math, 2 plus 2 is 4. Whether you believe it or not, you can do the wrong equation. You can come up with whatever answers you think is right. But if it doesn't correspond with truth, it's not reality. Reality is that which conforms to truth, and this is truth. And it's self-evident. Now again, like I said before, we should do our due diligence because I believe the little G God in this world has blinded the minds of those who are perishing. And so they've got these layers of intellectualism and humanism and naturalism built up around their thinking. And sometimes God desires for you to use a sharp tool to get through to the conscience. And that's where the Word of God comes in because ultimately it's through the Word of God and the Spirit of God that's going to save man. It's not going to be our arguments. Though, again... God uses certain tools to accomplish His work. And so we should be informed on these things. I know uh, Tyson's doing a great job on Sunday nights with some of the seeming contradictions of Scripture. I know a lot of you here, sitting here today, you say, well, you know, again, I, I don't buy into this necessarily. I, what about this? It says over here, and, and, and then over here it says something different. It's a contradiction. To which I say, who's your professor? Because usually those are things that are taught. But in all fairness, sometimes you can read something here and read something there. And it does seem like on the surface, how does this add up? Tyson's class tackling some of those things. And guess what they're finding every week? That they don't contradict, they complement. Or they bring a better and richer understanding when you understand context when you understand what's actually being laid out there, what's being defined and described. And so, yeah, sometimes we got to do our due diligence so that we can give an answer for the hope that's within us. And that's important. And we believe in that here. But God's revealed Himself through special revelation. He wants us to know Him. You know, it reminds me of the story that was told of a college professor who visited the Fiji Islands and he was, he, him being an agnostic, he critically remarked to an elderly chief, you're a great leader, but it's a pity you've been taken in by those foreign missionaries. They only want to get rich through you. No one believes the Bible anymore. 
People are tired of the threadbare story of Christ dying on a cross for the sins of mankind. They know better now. I'm sorry you've been so foolish as to accept their story. The old chief's eyes flashed as he answered. See that great rock over there? On it, we smashed the heads of our victims. Notice the furnace next to it. In that oven, we formerly roasted the bodies of our enemies. If it had been for those good missionaries and the love of Jesus that changed us from cannibals into Christians, you'd never leave this place alive. You'd better thank the Lord for the gospel. Otherwise, we'd already be feasting on you. If it weren't for the Bible, you'd be our supper. <laughs> and I'm sure that man in that moment was probably pretty thankful that those missionaries had brought the transforming good news of Jesus Christ. Guys, we live in a world that's created by our Heavenly Father. And to live outside of His bounds is inconsistent. It doesn't make any, any sense to quote one of my favorite movies, it's inconceivable. Anyway, <laughs> Just making sure you're paying attention. Notice if you would, as we look at special revelation, we're also going to try and get to God's work today and man's response uh, as, we, as we go through this chapter. We'll see how far we make it. Um, but God's world, we talked about that verses 1 through 6, and we talked about the importance of general revelation and how God's made himself known. And now we look at God's Word, verses 7 through 11, and we see God's Word. God's Word. I want you to notice as you're going through, and you'll look at your passage of Scripture there, there are certain phrases and things that, that leap off the page. And, 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 and again, God making Himself known. The psalmist David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing these things. Notice, first off, the six titles for Scripture. Just kind of scan down through there and notice these titles given for the Word of God, in reference to the Word of God, in, in, in summary of the Word of God. He refers to it as the law. And again, at this time when David's writing, they had the Torah. This is how God had revealed Himself through the writings uh, of Moses. And so the Word of God, that's encompassing of that. Testimony. You notice that phrase there in your text as well. And again, you're not getting this if you're not following along in your Scriptures. I would encourage you to look at the text. Look at how this is a natural unfolding outline that's there in the text. And so you'll also see the precepts. Again, statutes, some of yours may translate it that way. And these are, again, titles for the Word of God. You see, commandment is also there. And I encourage you, circle these things. You see fear, the fear of God also there. And that's an act of worship and reverence to God. And so we see also the judgments of God. Six titles for Scripture. You'll also notice six characteristics of Scripture laid out there in those passages. Notice if you begin, it said that it's perfect. It also says that it's sure. It also says that it's right. It also says that it's pure. It also says that it's clean. It also says that it's true. These are the characteristics of the Word of God, self-defined by God, the one who's given us his truth, who's given us his general revelation, who's given us his special revelation. And this is how he references it. How important should the word of God be to you and me? And then notice this, six benefits of Scripture. I mean, who doesn't want that? We're kind of man-centered. We're anthropocentric. We're, you know, we think the world's all about us. And so oftentimes when we come to church, we're looking to what can I get out of it? What can I get out of it? When really that's kind of backwards, guys. We're here to worship. We're, we're created to glorify God. We're created to worship Him, to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. He said the law hangs on all this. Man, you want to sum it up? That sums it up. Love God and love your neighbor. Because when I love God, I don't try to create a God that suits me. When I love God, I don't want to pursue a sin that He says is wrong. When I love God... When I love my neighbor as he's told me to do, I don't want to steal from my neighbor. Do you like it when someone steals from you? No, you can't stand it. Even a thief hates it when he's stolen from. Love your neighbor as yourself, man. You want somebody stealing your wife? 
What was the comedian? Hey, please take my wife. No, not like that, right? You don't want somebody stealing your spouse. And he says not to covet that neighbor's wife. When we actually think about these truths, guys, and loving God and loving our neighbor, makes sense. Benefits of Scripture. He lays it out here. Six benefits of Scripture. Six titles, six characteristics, and six uh, benefits of Scripture. Notice, restores the soul. It also says that it makes wise the simple. It makes wise the simple. Now, I love this last, last time I, I talked a little bit more about this. Remember when we unpacked this, that word simple, it, it speaks of an open mind. And we live in a day where people will say, dude, you just got to be open-minded, man. You got to like open your mind. And remember, I quoted MacArthur, and he talked about, no, dude, you got to close the door. A simple-minded person believes anything and everything. And you don't want to be a simple-minded person. God's Word has a way of taking the simple-minded person and giving them discernment and understanding, making them wise. That word used there is in Latin, uh, again, but a lot of people think, They'll say, well, I'm agnostic. I don't really believe in God. And remember, we talked about this last time, but that word for agnostic in, in Latin is actually the same word where we get imbecile from. I mean, you know, so the next time somebody tells you they're agnostic, say, man, I don't know if I'd be admitting that. So you're saying you're an imbecile? I mean, you know, probably, again, don't want to use that. But I find that kind of comical. We don't think about these things, right? I mean, we've even got Christian faith, open minds, open doors. Well, close it. You don't know who's going to get in there. I hope you don't leave your house that way. And yet the scripture has a way of making us wise so we know when to close the door. Look, narrows the way. Truth, by definition, is exclusive. Truth, by definition, means I ain't letting nothing else in because nothing else can get in because it's truth. You can't add to truth. And again, we talked about this last week. This this psalm goes into that it's all-encompassing. It covers every side. That's why when he says you can't add to, you can't take away, it's all comprehensive. It's all-sided. God's Word's figured every, any avenue you want to come at it, it's covered it. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it because it's complete. It's truth. Two plus two is four. You're not going to add to it. You're not going to take away from it because that is the truth. That is truth. You don't, you don't create truth. You discover truth. And so it makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. The word of God rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. The natural man does not discern the things of the spirit. So if you're sitting here today and you don't really make sense, you know, you read your Bible and you say, I don't get anything out of it. It's very likely you're a natural man. You see the world naturally. And by nature, we're fallen, guys. By nature, we love darkness rather than light. We have a sin problem. Our hearts are shut off from God. We're born in deep depravity. When you look at the most wicked man that's ever walked this earth, the potential, the same potential is in your heart. Well, but I know I disagree with that preacher. I mean, I'm a good person. I never murdered anyone. Jesus said if you had hate in your heart for your brother, that's the same as murder. God looks on the heart. And by the way, he also told you and me that the heart is, is deceitful. So is it possible you've been deceived into thinking you have a good heart? You know, I hear people all the time, well, now, they're, you know, they've got a good heart. They mean what? Do they? Because God said they don't. God says we all have a deceitful heart, and it's desperately, it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? I don't trust my own heart because I know that I have a sin, curse, Adamic nature that I was born into this world with. I was born in darkness. I was born spiritually dead. You were born spiritually dead. So therefore, you're not going to see the world for what it is. You're not going to have understanding until the quickening of the Spirit of God makes you alive in Christ. When you respond to the good news that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, he came to give sight to the blind. You and I were blind, and now we see. Now it makes sense. Now I can understand as I feed on the Word of God, as I soak in the Word of God. Let this mind be in you, 
which is in Christ Jesus. You want to know how to see the world? You want to know how to have enlightened eyes? It's through the Word of God. But you're not going to understand the Word of God until you know the God of the Word. And that's why Christ came and made Himself known. Not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance and put their faith in Him. And He desires to give you new birth. He desires to quicken and awaken your soul. He desires to save you so that you can see, so that you can be given a new heart. And He'll take that heart of stone cold law that condemns and replace it with a heart of flesh, sensitive to the things of God. That's what the good news is about. It endures forever. The Word of God endures forever. We had a great study a couple Wednesday nights, or I'm sorry, Sunday nights ago, uh, talking about translations. And by the way, guys, please know this. Translation is a translation. Okay? I can share a truth and we can have it translated into different languages and as long as the truth is preserved, you can say it however you want to say it as long as the truth is not tampered with. And translations are simply translating the truth into a language. And let's not be arrogant and assume that the English-speaking language is the only language that God has favor on. That's pretty arrogant. And yet we have churches dividing and people arguing and digging in their heels and wanting to pick fights over translations. No. The Word of God is pure. You're not going to add to it. You're not going to take from it. Now some try. JWs, Mormons, and we'll call them out. Other revelations, Quran, other world religions trying to add revelation to who God is while contradicting, clearly contradicting, the claims of God in Scripture. And so you've got to do your due diligence. Do your homework and know these things so you'll know when to close the door and when to open it and how to better help reach the heart of the naysayers, those who would contradict. And so it's important that we understand the Word of God. It endures forever. It's, and it also speaks of comprehensive righteousness. Notice if you would here in the text. Again, just kind of unpacking this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It's sufficient to save people. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What God has said has way of giving us great wisdom. The statutes of the Lord, a strong word there. The precepts of the Lord. It's not changing. It's right. In a day and age when uh, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. We're in that day, guys. We're in a sick day. And this is what happens when the heart of man is left to itself. But yet the statutes of the Lord are right. And it rejoices the heart. I'm a lot more joyful now in my heart and life than I ever was when I was in my sin. When I was in my sin-sick life. Now, don't get me wrong. Seemed like a, you know, fun time. And there is pleasure in sin for a season. But joy, peace that bubbles over, man, a rejoicing heart, that can only be found in the truth. And so we see the commandment of the Lord is pure. It's enlightening the eyes. And again, if you love the Lord, you keep His command. You understand this. We apply this. The fear of the Lord is clean. The reverence of God, the worship of God. We should revere God in our life. And that endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And what that means when it says righteous altogether, it means that it's comprehensive. It's all-encompassing. It is in every way, shape, or form, it is righteous. The judgments of the Lord are true. Com comprehensive righteousness. Moreover, there are more to be desired, are they, than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, what? The Scriptures. Your servant is warned. And in keeping them, what? The Scriptures. There is great reward. Young people, hear that. Older people, hear that. 
Middle age. Let's hear that. The scriptures, the word of God should be more desired than anything in our life. And yet I want to ask for a second. I want to pause right now in this moment. I want you to think about it. I want you to be honest with yourself. What do you desire more than anything right now? Some of you say, man, I can, I'm desiring some Bojangles. It's getting past, mid, now past noon. I'm right. but, but seriously, what, what, are, what truly consumes your day? Where's your heart? What do you live for? Is your, is your hamster wheel spinning because you're just trying to get a better life here? You're chasing the American dream? Because I'm going to tell you, that comes up short and shallow every single time. But if you want to rejoice the heart, you want to, you want to be complete, you want to go through this list of things that we've just unpacked, then, then we need to be desiring the Word of God more than anything in my life. I need that appetite. The psalmist is praying. He's, his, his heart cry to God is, he wants this. Help me with this. That needs to be our heart cry, church. More to be desired are they than gold. The understanding of the Scriptures. That yes, much, much fine gold, sweeter than honey, than the honeycomb. By them, I'm warned. So I know when I read the scriptures, don't drink, chew, go with girls that do. I'm going to stay away from that. If, if I'm going to go down this path in my natural state that, that may seem good because, hey, all my buddies are doing it or because, you know, I, I might as well just kind of do this little shady deal on the side because to get ahead in business, you got to do that. No! This warns me. This, this book tells me, don't do that. But it's not enough to hear the word. And we sit in church week after week and we hear it and we don't heed it. We hear it and we don't heed it. But if we heed it in keeping them, there's great reward. You want to be blessed in your life? God has just given you the blessing recipe. Psalm 1, read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat with the scornful. No, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night. This goes back to the Old Testament Shema, where the parents, parents, we're taught when you rise up in the morning, when you go throughout your day, when you're by the gates, when you're doing your business, when you come home at night and you start to pillow your head, you teach these things to your children. And that's what they live by. Loving the Lord and loving my neighbor. And guys, we're not going to know this apart from this special revelation. If we don't know what God has told us, we're not going to know how to live. And yet He's told us all of this has been given. The Word of God is God-breathed and it's given for inspiration. It's given so that it's profitable for your life and my life in every area. Not some areas, not just in this area on Sundays, but it's in all areas. Anywhere your feet take you, anywhere your life goes, this Scripture has been given to you for your profit, for your benefit, for your joy to be complete that we might glorify God in the way we live and enjoy Him forever. Who doesn't want that? And yet, there it sits. And you and I don't spend our time meditating on it, thinking on it, desiring it like the sweet honeycomb that it is. And so, Lord, as the psalmist prayed, may we pray. We see God's work, and I'm going to wrap this thing up. I'm seeing here we're getting close to go time. God's work. Notice verse 12 through 14. Let's read this. 12 through 14 says, Who can understand his errors? Man, that's a great question, right? Who can understand... I keep blowing it. How do I figure this out? Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. Man's response, guys. God's the one who does the work. He sent us Christ. He sends the Holy Spirit. When we respond in faith to the gospel message, that's all God's grace. That's God's work. But we've got a response. Notice what he says. The hidden sins. 
You know what the hidden sins are? Sin is so much a part of us that we don't even realize much of our own sin. God has to reveal them and deal with them in us. The psalmist would say, Lord, search me, try me, consume all my darkness. If there be any secret hidden sins in my life, bring it out. Let me know so I can confess them and forsake them. Church, I want to encourage you, we need to do that. We're warned in the New Testament, when there's sin in the camp, when it starts in the Old Testament, you remember the story of Ai and Achan, right? The, the, the battle of Ai and, and Achan, oh my Achan back, he, uh, he, he, he hid some things, they, 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 they defeated this and he hid a few things, you know, ah, they won't miss this. He had sin, sin was in the camp. Next time Israel went out to fight, they got it handed to them. They got whooped. And they would not prosper until the sin was uncovered. And then when they found out where the sin was uncovered, him and his family suffered the consequences. We're warned in the New Testament that a little leaven, a little leaven here in our midst, guys, just a little bit of sin in this camp right here that's ongoing, practicing lifestyle, unforsaken, not confessed, can boom, blow up inside this camp and affect every single one of us. And so we need to keep a short account when it comes to the hidden sins. Lord, search me, try me, consume all my darkness. If there would be any way in me that's different than the way I'm supposed to be going, give me strength to lay it down. Help me to confess it. Let me find a brother or sister, someone that I know is not going to throw rocks at me, that I can go to and share my burden and confess my... Because the Bible says, confess your sins one, one to one another. And, and, and Lord, give me the help. I need help. And if that's your desire, God meets that desire. We need to confess the hidden sins. Then the willful sins, the presumptuous sins. Some of your scriptures say the presumptuous sins. These are those defiant sins. You know what to do. You know living with the girl is not right, but you're living with her anyway. Guys, that's sin. Period. There's no, no way around it. I know you love the person. I know they're your family member. I know they're your friend. I know they're your neighbor. Whatever the case is, it's still not right. Now, we don't attack by hitting the symptom. You understand what I'm saying? The problem of the root cause is the heart. But if, if the heart is willfully defiant against God, that's a hard heart. And the willful sin, this is outright disobedience. There are times when you know what God wants you to do, and you act like a defiant child and say, I'm not doing it. Mm. And that's kind of how spiritually we look in God's eyes. When I know I'm just so stinking mad in my sin that I don't care. I know I should be asking so-and-so if there's something wrong or forgive me or whatever the case, but I'm just not going to do it because they hurt my feelings and they're going to have to come to me. Whatever. If you're defiant, like a child saying, I will not. Look, David, David doesn't want either kind of these sins to dominate his life. So he's praying that God would deliver him. That's what we need to do, guys. We need to pray, God, deliver me from willful sins. Things I know I shouldn't do and I do them. Help me. Paul says this, Romans 6, 7, and 8. Great passage of Scripture. Sometimes that's where we're at, and that's okay. We, we, it, understanding that that's where we're at, that's, that's, that's wonderful to recognize it. That's wonderful. But now we've got to do something about it. So I've got to confess it. I've got to lay it down, whatever the baggage is, whatever the sins that are besetting me, that are tripping me in my race. I've got to lay them down. And I've got to pray for God's help in that. Willful sins. Sins of the word and thought. Now these are the tough ones because these are the ones you and I don't see. Can I just have a confession moment here as your pastor? You know, I used to drink. I used to, you know, have an immoral lifestyle, drugs, whatever the case. Blah, 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 sin, sin, sin. You know the hardest part? Because by God's grace, when He delivered me out of that lifestyle, the desire is not there for those things that once used to just, just constantly pull on me. And that's not to say that, that, that I couldn't ever re-enter somebody's life because there go I except for the grace of God. So take heed lest you fall. I understand that. I've got to be careful. But it's the scars in the thought life that is this pastor's greatest battle. And so it's a constant bringing thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. 
Because I recognize, guys, the battlefield's in our minds. That's where the door gets opened. And if we don't keep it closed, there go I. And so we've got to be careful. The sins of the word and thought. David is aware that sin lies deeper than our outward actions. And so he prays that the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart would be acceptable to God. Do you know that Scripture says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what somebody says? Oh, well, you shouldn't judge, preacher. You don't judge people these days. That's wrong. You judge everything in life. Don't act like you don't. Do you go with the blue socks or black socks this morning? You judgers. <laughs> the question is, are we making right judgment? And so we're reminded, judge right. The meditation of my heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what's in a man's heart, listen to it. Hey, I got another joke for you, man. And it's a perverted joke. And it's constantly a perverted joke. There might be perversion in the heart. I can't stand blah, blah, blah. Racist thoughts. There might be racism in the heart. Woo. Check out that girl. Lust. Guys, read the scriptures. It's not Satan. Oh yeah, he provides the bait. But it's the desire of your heart that's enticed. That's what draws man away. It's because I have a lean towards this. My sin slant is in this direction, whatever this direction may be. So be careful. Be careful. We want to talk about homosexuality as if that's an unpardonable sin while ignoring the couple who shacks up. Guys, sexual sin is sexual sin. Now there's consequences that, 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 that have um, sometimes suffering or, or, or worse effects. In that sense, sin's consequences may not be equal. But sexual sin, sexual sin. And somebody may have a sin slant in one direction, while another has a sin slant in another direction. At the heart of the problem is still sin. And that's what's got to be dealt with, not the symptom. And so we need to be prayerful about our own sins and word and thought. God's word searches our innermost being and shows us wrong thoughts, which are the source of wrong words and wrong deeds. Because when the hearts change, my speech changes. And when my heart changes and my speech changes, my heart changes, my speech changes, my actions change. When Jesus Christ arrested my soul and He saved me by His wonderful and amazing grace, I still struggled with my tongue. I remember slamming on the brakes as a salesman trying to sell laser recharge equipment and my big gulp drink hitting the steering column and splashing sewed all over me and beep, beep, beep. You can just fill in the beeps and looking over at somebody going like this because they could read lips. <laughs> and I remember in that moment saying, oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I don't want to talk like this anymore. I don't want to react like this anymore. I don't like this, God. Help the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. Later on, fast forward in a Bible study, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good and necessary, that it might impart grace to the hearer. Lord, I want that. Help me. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. God, I'm asking, can I have that? I want you to change my tongue. I want you to change my speech. I want you to change my heart. I wouldn't have found that apart from special revelation. I wouldn't have found that apart from the Word of God. Guys, I don't know where your struggle is, but I know we all have struggles. But I know where the answer is. 
Psalm 1914, he says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Here's your answer. By the way, Hebrews 4.12, let me say this. The word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Even though you and I don't know the intentions of our heart, God does, and the Word of God will reveal that intention, and it will correct us. Conclusion. Here's the application. Let's keep it simple. O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Look at that phrase for a second. Think on that for a second. You know, I wonder... This morning, as you think about that, is He your Lord today? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Creator God? This is God's world. He's given you that through general revelation. He's made Himself known in creation and conscience. You're without excuse. He's also made it known through His Word, God's Word, His special revelation. He's revealed to us who He is in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate. It's God's work. Is He your strength? Is He your strength today? He can only be if He's your Redeemer. And if you're here today and He's not your Redeemer, then let me introduce you to the Creator God, the One who's made Himself known because He desires a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you a new life. And Christian, if you're here, you know Him today, and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Man's response is to repent and believe. And if you've strayed, Christian, return to your first love. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Guys, in this closing moment, we need to confess our sin. And we need to do as the psalmist has done and recognize the general revelation has brought us to a special revelation. And we need to make things right in this relationship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just how you make yourself known. And yet, Lord, we still go through life oftentimes with blinders. Lord, may the glorious light of the gospel penetrate for the unbeliever that's here that they may look to you in saving faith. And Lord, you said in your word that if any man comes to you, you won't cast them out. And so right now in this closing moment, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to beg you, I want to plead with you today. Do not leave here today without getting your heart right. You say, well, how do I do that, preacher? It's real simple. You look to the one who gives you life. The one who created you in his image. The one who provided you a means of escape by sending his son Christ into this world. And you look to him and him alone. Jesus Christ is your redeemer. And he offers you his grace. He offers you his forgiveness. And whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved. And so right now in this moment, would you just call out to the only name under heaven, given amongst men by which to be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. He'll hear the cry of your heart. Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned against you. I need to be born again. I need that new heart. I want you to come into my life and change me, transform me. The law is perfect, converting the soul, transforming. The Word of God is able 
And that's the truth this morning that's been given. God is more than able to change your life. Will you let him? To as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. And Father, for us as Christians, those who've placed our faith and hope, repented and put our belief in Jesus alone for salvation, may we be reminded today as well that the gospel isn't just good news for justification. The gospel is good news for sanctification. Search us and try us and consume all our darkness. Cleanse us from the ways that are not pleasing in your sight. That the meditation of our heart and the words of our mouth would be pleasing in your sight. Remove sin from the camp that you would be glorified in all that we say and do. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.